This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! What's up, good people, and welcome to our first off-season podcast for Lightning Round Podcast. Craig, Jamie, Garrett here. Today, it's internal free agents. So today, we're going to be covering... Uh, all the ex- uh, exclusive rights free agents, the restricted free agents, the unrestricted free agents who we think the Chargers should keep or not keep. Uh, we're going to go through the entire list. Uh, but before we do all that, there's some news that happened. And and Jamie did an in-depth, um, I almost said interview, uh, in-depth podcast about uh, the cap breakdown and how uh, it's a pretty easy fix to get them under the cap. Uh, Jamie, if you want to give us a little refresher before we get into this, because if we playing GM here, uh, Joe Horowitz here for this podcast, we'd have to have some money to play with in order to sign these guys. So Jamie can uh, talk us through that. And then also uh, while we were gone, a little uh, contract uh, switch up for Corey Lindsley. So Jamie, why don't you go ahead and uh, fill us in here and uh, how we can get under and start this podcast off. Yeah. So uh, like I talked about in my podcast last week, covering the, the cap, the chargers were, we were expecting a salary cap of, uh, $242 million last week. This week reports are coming out that it's going to be more like 250. So I tweaked the numbers a little bit with a cap of 250 million. The chargers are carrying over about seven and a half or 7.7 million from last year. Um, after you account for their existing contracts, the, they do not have currently have 51 players under contract for next year. So you have to add two minimum salaries to their cap number. Overall, once you add in everything, the Chargers cap right now is at, they are at a negative 47,300,000, give or take, with the salary cap this year. So they are 47 million and change above the salary cap at the moment. Um, However, as Garrett alluded to, they had a, they announced a, a pay cut for Corey Lindsley, not a restructure, I want to make sure we're clear on this point. There were reports yesterday that they restructured Corey Lindsley. That is, in fact, not what happened. A restructure, you take existing money and you move it over the remaining years of the contract to create some cap space. That did not happen here. That's usually done by taking base salary and converting it into signing bonus. What happened here with Corey Lindsley is the Chargers and Lindsley agreed to a $10.29 million pay cut. Literally just removed almost ten million three hundred thousand dollars from Corey Lindsley's base salary for twenty twenty four. So his new cap number is drastically different. He was at eleven and a half million dollars in base salary and two point six million dollars in in bonus money, uh, prorated bonus money. Prior to that change, putting him at fourteen point one million dollars. Now his cap number is. Uh, one million uh, two hundred ten thousand dollars plus the two point six million dollar signing bonus that's left for this year. So we're talking three point nine million, give or take, and change in a in an adjusted cap number for Corey Lindsley. So with that, the ten point nine million dollar ten point two nine million dollar savings that they that they uh, realized on Lindsley's contract. The Chargers are now at $37 million and change 
above the salary cap. Uh, big savings. They also gave themselves kind of the flexibility almost. It sounds like they're going to keep him on the, on the roster this year and probably next by putting him on the retired list come June 1st. Um, and when they do that, they will be able to basically treat him as if he was a post June one cut without having to wait until post June one to do it, which means they only eat his prorated salary cap for 2024 and they'll eat what's left of it next year as if he had played next year. So it sounds like they're going to do him a solid and keep him on the roster. And he did them a solid by taking a $10 million pay cut, which I'm sure the team appreciates. Mm -hmm. So everybody helping each other out and the chargers are now $37 million over the cap. And with the moves that I proposed last week, they would be at assuming they make all these moves and for the purposes of the show today, we are assuming they're going to make all these moves. Yep. Um, just and if yep, you pull it up. And if you haven't listened, Jamie's got the uh, podcast up. He did it last week. So make sure you uh, listen to that one. Go watch it. He uh, explains all this in detail with graphics, by the way. So, yes, I, I did visual aids because I didn't want to put anybody to sleep. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk numbers for an hour. And I'm sure people appreciated that. <laughs> um, so I created just under $116 million in cap space. Uh, with the moves that I made, that was cutting or trading Khalil Mack, re, uh, extending Derwin, cutting Eric Kendricks, cutting Mike Williams, um, cutting Morgan Fox, and restructuring Derwin James and Justin Herbert. I created just under $116 million in salary cap space. And with them being $37 million in change over the cap um, after the Lindsay move, that would create just a little over $68 million in cap space for the Chargers to play with um, heading into the offseason. So to recap, you, you restructure Derwin and Herbert. You cut Fox, Kendricks. Yeah, so let me just let me just run through the basic numbers. We won't go too much into detail here. But what I did was I cut it, Mike. I cut it. I cut Mike Williams. <laughs> you cut it in. I cut it in. The remix. I, I, cut, I cut Mike Williams, which okay. is a cap savings of $20 million. I cut Eric Kendricks, which is a cap savings of $6.5 million. And I cut Morgan Fox, which is a cap savings of $3.5 million. That created an additional $30 million in space. Mm -hmm. So if we assume they're currently $37 million over the cap, that means after those moves, they would be $7 million over the cap. I then extended Keenan Williams or Keenan Allen, excuse me. Oh, okay. I have all kinds of problems. That's all right. <laughs> extended Keenan Allen for a total savings this year of $21.6 million, which would put them at just under $14.5 million uh, below the cap after making that move. Traded Khalil Mack, which saves them $23,250,000. So that's thirty-seven, almost $38 million in cap space. And then I restructured Derwin James for a saving of $6.2 million. And I restructured Justin Herbert for a savings of twenty-four, basically $24.4 million, creating another $30.5 million in cap space. So for a total of 
$1,337,961 in actual spending cap space. This includes the Chargers draft class for this year. Uh, it also includes some money for um, in-season spending. So um, I didn't hear. Did you leave Bosa alone? I left Bosa alone. Okay. After I looked at the numbers, um, I went in basically assuming they were going to cut him. Had it all set up to cut him, and when I looked at the numbers, it just looked to me like it just wasn't doable to cut him this year. Um, just too expensive. Next year is probably more likely, so I think they they um, they ride it out with Bosa this year, and most likely trade Mac. I think also from a numbers perspective, it's pretty weird because if you look at based on production between Mac and Bosa, the clear cut would be um, Mac. I'm sorry, Bosa. But unfortunately, when you look at the numbers, it makes more sense for Mac to go. But it's just kind of that you can't really find a happy medium there because you get the younger prospect than Bosa, but the availability is in question. You can keep Mac. It's going to cost, but you also get the production on top of it and the availability. So you're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place once you start actually looking into the physical numbers. Yeah, and they they could, in theory, extend Bosa. I've seen some people uh, suggest that. I personally don't think that makes much sense because he's never healthy. He's already very highly paid. And while it could save you money, you just wind up kicking the can down the road and putting yourself in a spot where you're stuck with him next year too, potentially. Um, and I think it's unlikely they trade him. I've seen some, some, you know, reporters saying that they could trade him for a first round pick. I don't personally believe that's possible. Um, I, we know the Ravens were interested in him for a fourth round pick during the season, he, then he got hurt. So I don't know what his trade value looks like. I think trading him is unlikely. I think extending him is unlikely. And because he's only got one year left on his contract after this year, there's really no benefit to restructuring him again because you're just pushing money further down the road and it just becomes more difficult. So I it, I think they keep him as is. Maybe they approach him about a pay cut like they did with Lindsley. I don't see why he would take that after being restructured last year. It's a possibility they could broach that subject, but just based on the hard numbers, based on the way everything shakes out, it just seems like it makes more sense to trade Mac or cut him if you can't find a trade partner and hang on to Bosa. So did you did you propose a team by chance, just out of curiosity, with Khalil Mac trade? No, I, I didn't get that far. No, it. it was just strictly numbers. There was um, somebody projected or you know made up a trade of him going to Detroit which I, I like a lot as like a team that's just there in their Super Bowl era, taking a shot on a, a high end pass rusher for one year to hope they can uh, push it to the Super Bowl. I kind of like that idea. Yeah. I mean, I've heard the Raiders are interested. I've heard the Ravens are interested. Um, Why would the Raiders do it? I don't know, probably to, to atone for a previous mistake. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, get your boy. Yeah, really. I, I don't know. I, I just, I there I, you would assume that there are a lot of teams who consider themselves contenders who would think that he would be the, the kind of the final piece of their defense. So yeah, you would think they would be able to find a trade partner for him. It's not really the same thing as trying to trade a guy like Bernard, uh, not Bernard, um, Hopkins, um, DeAndre, Luke, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh -huh. Having a tough time with names tonight. Um, it, it's not. I don't think it's going to be the same situation as DeAndre Hopkins was last year, where the Cardinals couldn't trade him. I do think somebody's going to have an interest in in Mac because he's so productive. Um, 
somebody's going to see him as the final piece, I'm sure. So it seems yeah. likely they'll be able to trade him. Yeah. Well, the Lions definitely need that secondary rusher for sure. Yeah. And the Ravens kind of like doing the mercenary thing uh, for those secondary edges as well. So both make a lot of sense. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to these uh, internal free agents. So we're going to go over the exclusive rights free agents first. We'll go to restricted free agents and then uh, hit on unrestricted free agents. And we'll each go through and uh, whether we think they should keep them, what we would do, what the contracts might look like if they do keep them. So let's start with unrestricted free agents. And I'm sure some people might have questions. So uh, or these are exclusive, exclusive rights. rights free excuse me. Yeah. Thank you. Exclusive rights, free agents. It's right in front of my face and I, I missed it anyway. Um, so these, these one, two, three, five players are under uh, team control. The chargers have the opportunity to offer these players a deal, which is a one-year deal, which is the league minimum. Uh, this we've talked about it on every other podcast. This is playing with house money. This is practically free. Uh, the only downside is if the player is so bad, you don't even want it on your 90, but really every team pretty much keeps almost all of their exclusive free agents because or exclusive rights, free agents, excuse me, uh, because it's minimal money. It's only for one year. You can cut them in camp if it doesn't work out and it does not cost you. So of these players, anybody have any objections to keeping any of these five? It's free money, but <laughs> Marcia Sorrell could kick rocks. I really could care less. Oh, boo. Zach Bailey is, I mean, I, I like what I saw from Zach Bailey being able to move around that versatility there. There's, and sorry, Keelan Doss. What am I talking about? Can we end that project? Is it like time for that to just be over and done with? Feels like they've kept him around. He always looks good in training camp, but then nothing ever comes of it. When he steps on the field, you hardly hear anything about it. Just feels like one of those bigger body receivers that just isn't really rounding into form. But, um, you know, if I had to pick a couple of names out of the uh, list here, it would be Foster and Keelan for sure. It feels disrespectful to only pay, pay Dicker uh, what you'd be paying him, but you know, let's see it for another year. And then uh, if you want to give him a bigger contract after that, then so be it. Uh, Raheem Lane, definitely somebody I want on the squad. Someone who can continue to further develop with the team. He showed a lot, whether it was um, on the field during special teams or some of the snaps that he saw, whether it was in preseason or beyond. And um, I mean, other than that, if you want to keep all of them, I won't make a fuss about it. Yeah, I mean, Dicker obviously stays. Uh, he's one guy who I could pop possibly see a two or three year extension for just to make sure he's here and then I'll have to deal with it later. Um, you know, you're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of 850,000 to 900,000 per player to keep these guys. Um, it is generally a foregone conclusion. It's basically procedural that these guys get kept. Like Garrett said, house money. The only thing I would add though, is that it's a whole new regime mm -hmm. and the procedures are going to change and the coaches and front office have no ties to any of these guys aside from Dicker. Yeah. So I, I would say Doss is probably gone. Um, I would love for Lane to stay. He's the one guy on this list that I think like really should and needs to stay, especially looking at the safety room, uh, you know, possibly losing Gilman. Um, uh, you know, Marlowe's a free agent. There's just not a lot of depth or anybody you can rely on in that room. And Lane, I think showed himself to be versatile enough to play, some free safety, some strong safety. He has some special teams value. He can tackle, he can cover, he can run a little bit. 
Um, he seems like he'd fit in Minter's defense and seems like the kind of, you know, back end depth piece that Harbaugh would probably really like. So I would keep him. Um, Foster Serrell, he could stay, he could go. I think they need to bring in, you know, some competition at the very least at right tackle, whether that means competition for Pipkins or competition for Serrell. Um, they need to find some competition somewhere. Bailey is a guy who I would probably keep like Craig. I thought he showed himself pretty well in the preseason and can play some tackle, can play some guard, could be, you know, kind of a sixth offensive lineman in those jumbo sets that, that uh, Greg Roman likes to run. So if you're going to keep anybody, it'd be Dicker lane and Bailey. In my opinion, I would probably lean just towards keeping Dicker and lane. I think the rest can kind of go maybe Bailey. Yeah, I I'm with you on that. Uh, Cameron Dicker deserves an extension. Uh, he he deserves a new deal. Uh, this kicking him around for one more year for the minimum. It feels like a guy with how impressive he's been. Uh, you got to keep him around long term. So I would assume that they're going to get a contract done with Dicker and he gets a new deal. Um, Doss, I mean, it's wide receiver depth uh, for me. If this, like Jamie mentioned, this would be procedural for me. I would keep all five of these just to fill in spots until I found somebody better because cutting them would not matter. Uh, Keelan Doss was some wide receiver depth. Um, I, you know, I could take it or leave it at that point. Raheem lame is obviously a guy you got to keep. He flashed a lot in camp last couple camps. Uh, Foster Sorrell, it has tackle experience. He was a spot starter. Um, it's just basically O-line depth and camp. Hope somebody can push Foster Sorrell out for, uh, somebody you can get, um, this off season, whether it's in the draft or in free agency, Zach Bailey, he's got enough O-line versatility that I think it's worth keeping him here as some, again, or O-line camp depth. Of this list, Raheem Lane is the name that could wind up being a significant contributor to the defense next year. You could be that kind of diamond in the rough. Think about like the Geno Stone pick with the Ravens. Technically, the Chargers already have that type of player here on the roster. So there's an opportunity here for him to really build himself on the team and really earn a longer term deal. But of the names, he's the one outside of Cameron Dicker, of course, that makes the most sense and that they absolutely need to uh, hold on to. And again, I think he's going to be a name that everyone's going to need to pay attention to this year. You're you're looking at a lot of turnover in terms of people um, in the secondary and probably on special teams. So having somebody who's been around for a little while, even though it's going to be a new scheme, who's shown he can pr- produce on special teams, I think is that's a valuable piece to have. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to restricted free agents. And it's a short list. It's only two guys. But um, just so you guys have the numbers here, uh, you uh, teams can apply the first-round tender, the second-round tender, and then the uh, rights of first refusal tender. Uh, for the first round tender this year, it's six point four six million. The second round tender is four point six three million, and then the right of use, uh, right of first refusal is two point eight two million. And the uh, right of free, first refusal is basically um, the Chargers can match any other offer another team makes. Um, they can either match it or you know let the player go. It's basically. Uh, applied so you can check a player's market value. But when you look at these two names, yeah, the le- if you applied any of these uh, tenders to these guys, would you guys apply a first round, second round, or a fir- right of first refusal tender to either of these guys? I would not. Um, Me neither. 
I so, and I I feel like the linebacker. Oh, I I got that name it? wrong. Yeah, it's Art, it's Blake uh, Lynch. Blake Lynch. Blake right? Lynch. Yeah. Sorry, Blake I did Lynch, this. Yeah. I did this thing right as we got on. Okay, I messed that up. My bad. I thought that looked wrong. Um, okay, because that's an. I would, <laughs> I would do with these guys what the Chargers did with um, Parham last off season, and that is I would not tender either one of them. I would have standing offers on the table for like a two year, two and a half to three million dollar contract for both of them, and whoever takes it first gets it, and you move on. You don't need two of these guys; they're kind of redundant. I and I have no idea how they how they view either one of these guys at this point with the new regime. But again, turnover on special teams. The linebacker room is really thin this year. Um, keeping one of these guys, I think, is advantageous. If you get them on a one-year deal, great. If it takes two years and you split the baby on that right of first refusal um, tender and you offer them like 1.4 a year over the next two years, I think that's a win. But there's no reason to tender either one of these guys. Um, Amen, we all like him. He's very productive on special teams. Don't know that he's ever going to make an impact on defense. And I just, I think you need him for depth in the linebacker room, especially with potentially cutting Kendricks. And and we're going to talk about Murray here in a bit, but you need one of those guys to stick for special teams and just for just basic depth and having bodies. Yep. Same. I'm not doing either. Um, If it's a choice of the two, I'd rather Amon just because of his productivity on special teams. He seems like one of Ryan Ficken's guys there. So it makes sense from that standpoint. Also for depth, uh, that term is going to come up a lot here because the last regime didn't leave us with very much in the cupboard. <clears throat> so you're going to have to hold on to some of these guys that if you had really a decently built out team, they would be names that you wouldn't give a second thought to. But yeah, I'm probably going to say if anything, the hope would be that, you know, you let, Amen. go out there, both of them, see what they can get. If not, take the deal that's on the table and I'll just roll with one or the other. But my, uh, I guess I push the chips in if we were between the two on Amen. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, this isn't uh, really a group of guys that moves the needle. I think uh, even if neither of them take a deal, I, I think it's a pretty easy uh, position to fill with these guys. I know Amon's familiar with the system, but yeah, I think I think Amon would get the uh, nod over Blake Lynch, who I just I you know I don't really have much opinion on. And I think the other thing too is got to keep in mind these RFA tenders are fully guaranteed, so this isn't like the ERFAs where if they don't make the team you can cut them and there's nothing lost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're talking about anywhere from two point eight to six point two million dollars fully guaranteed for a guy who may or may not make the roster. At this point, it just doesn't make sense. Um, let them test the market. Don't tender them and see if they come back willing to take a lesser deal. All right. Okay. And I fixed it. It's Blake Lynch now. I'm sorry. Copy and paste too fast. All right. So let's move on to the big list. Unrestricted free agents. And the first one here, and we can just kind of go around. And, of course, I missed uh, Michael Davis to start this. Awesome. This is what you do when you rush graphics to start off. So of this list that, of course, now isn't on there, Michael Davis, the cornerback. Craig, how are you feeling? Are you thinking about keeping Michael Davis? Are you letting him walk in free agency? How are you feeling? All the best to Mike on his uh, next endeavor. 
Okay. The end. The end. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry. We've been fooled here. Um, we got one pretty decent year of production. It was a project that the Chargers felt like they wanted to invest in. They did. Um, we saw some improvement over the course of his time here, but then uh, you know, there was a scheme change. It took him a little while to adjust there. And you could argue that he actually never really did um, fully. And so this is a situation now where it's just time to uh, cut bait. Uh, you know, Davis is what, almost 30 at this point. Um, we've seen his ceiling. I don't think he's going to improve much more. And when you're talking about some of what you saw on the field last season, some really questionable effort plays or lack thereof, should I say, uh, just feels like it's time to move on. Uh, the secondary needs to be injected with new blood. Of course, it is already very thin, but unfortunately what remains or what's there, as you can see on this list, isn't a ton to uh, be able to lean on. So not a bunch of exciting names, but as far as what Davis brings to the table, we've probably seen the best of it and it's just time for him to look for his new opportunity. Boom. It's there now, Jamie. Um, yeah, I know. I agree with, with Craig. I, I don't think there's any reason to bring Mike back. Um, they are going to be thin in the secondary. There is going to be a lot of turnover, but that's one area in particular where there really needs to be a lot of turnover. And I just don't see any reason to pay him again. So um, hopefully he lands somewhere and does well elsewhere. But I think that pro that ship has sailed on that project. Um, and I think it was over probably even before Telesco got fired as it should be. Well, this, I, I like this because now, uh, we're already one in and, uh, and I'm going to go a different direction than you guys. I, I would consider re-signing Michael Davis. And the only reason I would do it is because I would do it for one year. And my expectation is he's depth at corner and he can help on special teams. Uh, special teams is going to have a lot of turnover. And Michael Davis has proven when he's on special teams, he's one of the better special teams players. That's what got him on the field as a cornerback. So it just feels like if you look at the roster, they've got Zant, they've got Dean Leonard, and then everybody else is up for grabs. And to me, Michael Davis is a spot starter in the NFL, depth at cornerback. I, you don't want him starting, but I think – if you can get him as your fourth corner, that's some really good depth. And I was looking at um, a deal that Ronald Darby just signed with the Ravens, which is another 30-year-old uh, cornerback. He was a depth signing for Baltimore. He signed for one year, $1.7 million. So for me, it's a low risk. It's one year. You got depth. If he's your fourth corner, I think that's a pretty good deal, especially with kind of a low-end deal like that. Um, he can compete for a starter spot in camp, but at worst, he is a very key special teams contributor and depth on your roster where you so, need it. Question. Do yeah. we think that he would be willing to sign on one-year deal? Because, I mean, there are the situations. We're talking about a vet here in the league who has some decent tape. Um, there's a possibility that somebody would be willing to offer him a larger contract. Uh, also, longer, taller, faster corners are like all the rage in the league, especially in the last few years. But then I would kind of argue that like the Chargers literally have his doppelganger on uh, a futures contract. Uh, who is that? Uh, Chris Wilcox, another BYU kid, six foot two, four three forty, uh, younger, twenty six years old. So a potential project there. So if they fancy that type of player, they have basically uh, his baby here on the roster as it is going forward. So, I mean, I get it. Um, if you were talking about a short-term deal, 
But I mean, if we're talking, you know, something beyond just a year, which he may actually garner on the market, believe it or not, I wouldn't be shocked if somebody offered it to him. Um, I wouldn't be willing to pay him on like a two, three year deal. We're talking what, like four and a half, five per. Uh, I don't think I'd be willing to do that. Um, and I think you also probably want him to be more than just a spot starter if you're going to pay him. I mean, it's still not big money. But uh, again, if you want a decent corner, I think he's at very best going to be a CB2. And right now, pretty much have a roster of CB2s and threes. So, I mean, depth wise makes sense. But ultimately, you know, I, I don't know if he would be available for a one year deal. If he is, then, you know, is what it is. But I think he might garner something a little bit bigger. You're making me jump ahead a little bit, but you, you mentioned CB4. Um, I, I have them keeping Bassey, who I thought played pretty well down the stretch. He tackles, he covers, he can play inside, he can play outside. He's kind of the ideal CB4, um, and and you know you can get him on a one-year deal. I don't love him, but if you're talking depth and you're talking somebody who flashed a little bit and might have the opportunity to ascend in a different role, I think you're better investing like a million, million five, million points, uh, 1.75 million in a guy like Bassey and seeing if you can squeeze more out of him than giving another contract to a 30 year old Michael Davis. Get out of my head, Jamie. It's on my list too. Oh, oh. <laughs> you guys, you guys are sharing bad opinions. That's awesome. Now I like how you guys are sharing bad takes. Um, yeah. All right. So we are, we are definitely differing on this because I, I don't see uh, may, long in my mind, he's not going over two years anywhere. He's over 30 and he's been in decline. I don't see anybody taking a chance and signing to a three or four year deal at this point. He wasn't even a starter going into camp uh, this last camp. So I, to me, I, I feel like this is the strongest CB four and a guy who again has been one of the best special teamers on the team for years when he's played there and wasn't a starting corner that's a guy you want on special teams. So in my mind, I'm keeping Michael Davis. We can talk about uh, Bassey when we get there, but um, all right. So you guys are letting Davis walk. Uh, I'm keeping Michael Davis for a one-year deal. If, uh, if it's available, um, let's, let's move on to the big name here. And that's Austin Eckler, Jamie keeping him. Uh, no, okay. I am not. Uh, somebody's probably going to give him a two-year deal. Um, and overpay him. And I just feel like I don't think he fits the way the Chargers are going to want to run the ball with Greg Roman. Um, I don't think, I mean, I think the only reason he's talking about wanting to be here at this point is because he realizes his options are limited and he's just trying to play the, you know, ride the fence, so to speak. Um, I just, I, I think, I just don't see any reason to keep him, to be honest with you. I know, I know fans have liked him. He's been explosive. He looked like he was a step and a half slower than normal last year. He was dropping balls, which he doesn't normally do. Um, lots of me first kind of mentality, talking about salaries and getting paid and kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth about Herbert. I just feel like there's, I just feel like that relationship has run its course, even with a new regime. And I, I don't see a reason to bring him back. Craig. Pretty easy. Um, no, no for me on Eckler. Uh, number one, 
what are his expectations contract wise, especially off of the year that you just came off of? Doesn't bode really well for you to kind of do everything you did off season and then walk into this year. Now, granted, the running game was horrible altogether. The offensive line, no back produced. So we'll shoot him a little bell there. But like Jamie mentioned, uh, one of the calling cards was that he was really effective in the passing game and you saw him dropping balls. There were a couple fumbles here or there. He just seems like um, he put his foot in his mouth kind of started his own little villainy arc here. And it's unfortunate because he was one of the fan favorites. And when he produced at a high level, um, he seemed like a lot, not just more likable because of what he was doing on the field, but now it's like, you know, all the bravado and the way that he talks about things now don't match up with what he's recently put out there. So it may just be recency bias, but the NFL is a, what have you done for me lately league? And unfortunately, I'm not paying Austin Eckler. What are we talking about? Like if he gets a two, three year deal, I'm not paying him upwards of like 22 mil for like three years. Is that like, it's probably going to want somewhere in the area of about seven and a half to eight mil at least. I'm not paying that for Austin Eckler, unfortunately. Not a near 30 year old back who's coming off of a steep decline. Well, at least one year in steep decline. Yeah. With kind of the recent running back contracts, uh, Jamal Charles got 4 million. Per with the Saints, Joe Mixon got 5.75 and James Conner got seven with the Cardinals. So if you're, I mean, even at 4 million, that just seems way too rich for a guy like Austin Eckler. Um, I mean, that he's, he's had years to prove that he, you know, they, they gave, basically gave him the keys and let him prove that he's an RB one and never has he ever proven that he could be anything more than maybe like a, a one a to a, you know, to a two headed monster. He can never, he can never just be the guy. And this year showed that that whole dynamic playmaking ability was starting to drain from him during the season. And he had every opportunity to test the market uh, last off season. It was not good. Uh, his play further decreased his value. I'm sure. So, um, you know, if I'm if I'm looking at even at least four million per range, I'm out. There's just there's no upside here to re-signing Eckler. And uh, other than he, you know, was a great underdog story uh, where he came from and uh, working his way to being RB1 for the Chargers is great, but it feels like he kind of burned all that built up goodwill he got uh, with the fans. And that's all been faded. And uh, with all the talking this offseason, I, I don't know, the fans will really like it. This is obviously a whole new uh, regime here with the Chargers. I'm not sure they love it either, but. Really, in terms of the scheme and what Greg Roman's going to want to do, Austin Eckler just is not that guy. So I'm saying no, thanks, and I'm letting Eckler go test the market. I also don't think he's going to get paid anywhere near what he thinks he's worth because, like you already stated, Garrett, he's not a lead back. So if you're talking about a uh, you know, backfield by committee situation, or at least a dual one, um, how much are you willing to pay a uh, backfield with split backs? Uh, Eckler, again, fancies himself one of the best backs in the NFL. And last year, he was nowhere near that. I mean, he had an argument here in years past, but unfortunately, it's just the way things work with running backs. Um, I respect what they do. They take a beating, and it's probably one of the most abused positions on a football field. But at the end of the day, um, you, I guess you can get, you get what you can get. Whatever contract you can situate for yourself, you know, the better for it. Uh, more power to you. But unfortunately, I just don't see him being or getting exactly what he thinks he will on the open market. So interested interested to see uh, what that next deal is for him. Did I did I say Jamal Charles instead of Jamal Williams when I was talking you about did. the Saints? You did. <laughs> you did. 
You already, either, you've been on one tonight, so I just figured I'd let you roll with it. Just come on, man. It. Don't let me. He's not even in the league. He's retired. Don't let me say retired players. Jesus. Jamal Williams is obviously what I meant. All right. Next up, number three on our list here is the tight end, Gerald Everett. Jamie? I think I think they have to keep Gerald Everett. I think it's smart to keep Jared, Gerald Everett. I just think you do it with the understanding that he's going to be tight end two instead of tight end one. Um, he's still productive as a receiver. If you if he's tight end two, you don't have to count on him as much as a blocker. Uh, he as as the roster is currently built, and I would hope this would change. He's probably their best yak option at the moment, at least in, at least when you look at how they use these guys. So. I don't think there's any downside to keeping him. Uh, I was kind of looking at numbers. I I was looking at like a one-year, $5 million deal for an aging tight end, um, you know, a little bit less than what he was making per year on his last deal, still a decent chunk of money, only one year, probably limited guarantees. Um, and you just – he just buys you time. And he, he's a placeholder at tight end too, um, especially since you don't know what to expect out of – Parham, I just think I, I really think their hands are tied. They they've kicked the the can down the road, so to speak, with tight end for so long since um, Hunter Henry left that I really think their hands are tied. They have to bring Gerald Gerald Everett back and draft one, if not two, tight ends this year. So um, just get it done. He's just a steady veteran. He was one of the guys who they were saying on the sidelines during the Raider game. One of the few guys who was pissed about the way they were playing. I was trying to rally guys to play better. I think he's a leader um, and he's productive. So he's one of the few guys on this list that I say, yes, bring back. And they kind of have to, it's, it's a smart move. So let me, let me run a number by you. Cause I was doing, I was doing uh, contract comps too, because I think I, I mean, I agree when you, when you look at the list right now, it's stone smart and Donald Parham. So um, uh, to me, this feels like the deal that Tyler Higby got with the Rams. The numbers kind of matched up. Uh, they're about, they were both turning 30 around when they were getting their contract and he signed a two year, $17 million deal. Um, I, I believe there was a rip cord after year one, but they didn't, uh, they didn't take it. Would you sign him for eight and a half million per year? No, that's too rich. It's too rich for me. I would not give him a multi-year deal either. I, he's productive, but I don't think he's productive enough to warrant a two year deal. He's mm -hmm. a. He's a placeholder in my book. I mean, a product that's it's underselling what he did for the offense the last couple of years, but mm -hmm. he's not somebody that you want to count on to be productive for two years. Um, even with a ripcord, I would not give him two year deals. I think it's one, you try to keep him somewhere between five and six million dollars. And if he doesn't want it, then you go find somebody who will. Okay. Yep. In my notes, I have bridge tied into because that's how I see him. Um, it feels a little bit, you know. It feels like you're minimizing what he did for the team last year, um, but he was their best Jack option. It's unfortunate, though, because in last year's draft, the Chargers missed on a very deep tight end class. And so they basically pigeonholed themselves into a situation where they absolutely need to bring him back and still draft talent. Um, this year's group is not, from what I've seen thus far, is definitely not as talented as last year's was. So they'll probably have to spend um, a little bit of draft capital on it probably two tight ends to kind of figure this out moving forward. But you can't, unless you're you know, willing to spend a very early draft pick on a tight end, uh, you don't want to 
basically take a chance like that to go into the season if you're not going to make tight end a tight end a priority this year um, with some rookies who aren't of the highest ilk where um, Tell is concerned or pedigree. So I think you absolutely have to bring Everett back if you can use him as a receiving option in the passing game as a tight end too. I think that really helps Herbert out. They have that rapport. He is effective. And um, he's someone that can make your offense, you know, uh, as far as a complimentary piece, help it to be able to be explosive moving forward. So if you have an idea to bring him back for a year, if you can pay him somewhere around five, six mil in order for that to happen. Great. I don't think he's a multi-year option either, nor would I pay him anywhere in the vicinity of, you know, eight plus mil a year for two years or more. So, uh, you know, bring him back one year and then figure it out in the draft and then move forward. Yeah, uh, to me, it feels like um, Everett will go and try to get the Higby number and be like, hey, listen, our numbers are pretty comparable. I think we deserve eight and a half million. But I think what Mike Gusecki got with the Patriots, I think it was four and a half million. It was one year deal. Yeah. Um, that that's more in the neighborhood and makes more sense to me. If that's if that's the number, I'm taking it. If he's going anywhere above seven, I'm out. So depending on what he wants, if it's under, if it's under seven, I, I I'm willing to kind of, sh- you know, if he wants to shake me down for six and a half, I'll, I'll take it. But I want to, I want to push it down to four to five, somewhere in that range for sure, because he is a tight end too. And I don't think a, he's going to find a market for a tight end one money anyway, because Higby is the tight end one for the Rams. So I think the argument is, is that Everett hasn't proved to be a tight end one in this league yet. Um, he is definitely a tight end two until they can find somebody better. Um, the blocking concerns me a little bit in this new system because it's going to be real run heavy. But I think, you know, with an athletic tight end like Gerald Everett and a guy who really, I, I know he was fighting during that Raider game, but every time he touched that ball, he was fighting for yards, man. He was an angry, angry runner this year. And uh, I love to see it. And so um, I, I'm re-signing Gerald Everett if the price is right. But uh, I think really they got to go in the draft drafting one, most likely two tight ends. They need the depth. Yeah, I agree. All right. Next on this list is Kenneth Murray. Um, <laughs> so I, so I, I'm not doing it. Um, he might've had a career year with the chargers, um, but the, and the chargers don't really have many linebackers outside of, uh, Dion Henley, but, uh, or Dayon Henley. I already am mispronouncing his name. Um, but it just feels like Murray shipped a sale. We kind of talked about a little bit of some guys in the uh, exclusive rights free agents that kind of the experiments have gone. I mean, um, it just feels like, you know, some team will probably see the uptick in his tackles and sacks this past season, probably gush about his athletic ability at a college and that he's only 25 and give him a deal. I wouldn't. I was kind of looking at the Josie Jewell deal with the Broncos, which was two years, 11 million. So would you give him five and a half million for two years? Part of me would be really curious to see what Harbaugh would do with Kenneth Murray and his athleticism. But I, you know, I just, he hasn't been good enough. And to me, he's, he's, you know, a rotational linebacker and not good enough to be a starter. So I'm even with as, uh, empty as this linebacker group is, I, I would not re-sign Kenneth Murray. Would you guys? Um, I, 
I did not think I would do this. Uh-oh. And I hate myself for it. Uh-oh. Hear me out. He's going to do it. Hear me out. Hear me out. Boo. No, boo. Just listen. Just listen. All right. All right. Okay. okay. I, I didn't want to do it. I went in thinking I was going to let him go. Um, and I really wanted to let him go. But the state of the linebacker room is a little scary right now. There's like zero depth whatsoever. And I looked at it more from Does adding Kenneth Murray make more depth? <laughs> it makes them deeper. I mean, it gives them more bodies, I guess. Body, I'm not yes. looking okay, at him right. as a starter. I'm not looking sorry. at him as a starter. Okay, go ahead. I'm, right. I'm looking at this kind of the way um, that um, Devin White was treated when he left the Steelers last year, which was former first-round pick, uber-athletic, um, but has not played well and has not lived up to the pedigree. He got a one-year, three or three and a half million dollar contract. That's what I'm looking at for Murray. I'm going to him and I'm saying, "Look, you're depth. You've got to earn your way onto the roster. You're not getting any guarantees whatsoever. Uh, you're going to play special teams, and you're going to have to earn every inch, every second, every snap if you want to make this team out of camp." Um, and then I'm, I see how he responds. And if he wants to go find a, a long-term deal, a two- or three-year deal somewhere else, by all means, have at it. Um, but if he's open to earning a spot and showing what he's, you know, that he was worth that first-round pick, then I wouldn't be opposed to giving him a one-year, like, three-and-a-half million-dollar deal just to have some bodies in that linebacker room going into camp. I don't love it. Can't stand the guy. I don't think he's very good. But they have nothing there. I mean, at least with him, it's a little, maybe slightly more than nothing. Hmm. Go ahead, kill me. <laughs> Jamie, I respect the fact that you, I get it. I get the justification, and I, I understand why you did it. But all I can think about is the fact that his career year, think about that. Think about this year being his career year, and now understand where the bar is. It was literally in hell. And you're taking a guy who was already overdrafted and you're asking him to come back and prove himself and be a contributor in at the second level of the defense, I guess in some way, shape or form, even if not a starter, I get the fact that you want to look at him for depth. But the way that I look at Kenneth Murray is like this. It's almost similar to Patrick Queen. If you had like an all world linebacker playing next to him, I'd be fine with it. But you also, you almost have to have someone who can cover all his deficiencies and allow him to do the thing that I guess he quote unquote does the best. But if you're going to have him in there and expecting him to diagnose instead of being like a sea ball, get ball linebacker, I want no parts of it. And there isn't a Roquan Smith walking through that door unless something wild happens this off season. So with that being said, I, I don't want to see him on the field period anymore. Not even in a scenario where um, he's essentially just being additional depth. I'm completely over the project. It's, I think he is who he's going to be. And though he played much better this season, some of the same issues that plagued him throughout his career, his young career thus far, still exist. And maybe you can scheme it up to where you can do some things that help, again, cover those deficiencies. But I think he's probably better served next to a, a veteran linebacker who's super savvy, who's playing near the top of their game. So with that being said, nah, I, I don't care. I don't care if you can get him back dirt cheap. I want absolutely nothing to do with him moving forward, and he can be somebody else's problem. Yeah, I'm out. No, I get it. I get it. And I was in the same <laughs> boat. I'm just looking at – I just – you know, you're talking about going into this 
the off season now with two linebackers in a room that requires at least five. Hmm. So you, you think they're in a position to be able to add three linebackers in the off season. That's, yeah. that's asking a lot with all the other needs. Here's the thing though. I'm also counting and this almost seems like it, may not actually make sense in the grand scheme of things, but I believe that this coaching staff can improve upon some of these younger linebackers that are currently here and even some of these project guys and get them to play over their heads. I don't think Kenneth Murray is going to get any better. So, um, yeah, if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt and also say that if you bring him back, maybe this coaching staff can help bring the best out of him. I just think we've probably seen the best that he's going to be. So I'd be willing to roll with some of the younger guys. And if you want to draft a couple of guys, which they're going to have to do, um, I trust this new staff's uh, ability to develop. And until they prove me wrong, that's what I'm rolling with. I'm not talking about him even being on the field. I'm just talking about him being in the room and yeah. maybe maybe playing special teams. Why in the room? We don't want him in the room, Jamie. They need somebody in the room. <laughs> then suit <laughs> up. You <laughs> said <laughs> <Get> somebody. <laughs> want somebody? <laughs> Put the pads on, Jamie. <laughs> All right. Okay. So Jamie kept his boy, Kenneth Murray. Craig and I are out on Jamie's boy. He is Kenneth not my Murray. boy. Let's move on to Austin Johnson. You take that shit back right now. <laughs> Keep denying it, because the more you deny it, the more it's going to be. You're out of work, Jamie. You, uh, you, you did it to yourself. You should have just ignored it and kept going. I um, did it to myself by being rational? Okay. <laughs> Rationality. Rationality. What's that? All right. So uh, next, uh, Austin Johnson, uh, interior defensive lineman. Uh, Craig, how are you feeling about uh, AJ? Wait, I'm sorry. For some reason, you went mute for a second. Oh, did I? Yeah, maybe it's my computer. I can hear you now. Well, okay. I'm sorry. Repeat that. We're talking about Austin Johnson. You keeping him, cutting him? Oh, Austin Johnson. Um, nah, Austin can roll. Um, it's unfortunate too because it seemed like that they had made a really good pickup there, and he dealt with an injury that seemed like it affected his play moving forward. And he's coming off of that and didn't have the greatest year. Uh, I think we had this conversation in a few uh, group chats. Like there were games where we just ask, where is he? Like, is he being effective at all? If he's not making plays, is he at least muddying things up? And I mean, it just feels like one of those guys who maybe uh, is dealing with a situation where the injury maybe sapped a little bit of his athleticism. Um, but I just don't feel like he's productive enough to try to bring back. It's another situation, though, where we're talking about bodies in the room. And so we can make an argument for depth and bringing guys back as depth pieces. But as far as what you're going to get out of him, I think we've sad to say we've seen the best of him, which wasn't great. But uh, I'm, I'm letting it go. And I'm looking for um, some younger talent to come in. There may be already some on the roster again that has an opportunity to come in and play and uh, maybe man some of that nose or um, three tech, whatever you want to utilize them as. Um, I can't remember. Did Austin play more nose or three tech this year? I don't remember. But however it went. Um, I think he was mostly like a three and a five. Three and a five. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you technically don't have a disruptor at three as a three tech right now. Um, I mean, maybe Christopher Hinton, potentially former Michigan guy. Uh, but I don't think that Austin is going to be that person. He hasn't been that player since he's been here. So it's probably just time to cut bait and get some younger, cheaper talent in. Jamie, you keeping him? No, I'm not. I, I thought he was going to be a really good signing when they signed him. I thought he actually played 
quite well in a very understated way before he got hurt. Um, but he just didn't bounce back very well. And I just, I don't see a reason to extend that at all. So too bad. It's a bummer because I, I thought he'd be really good for them, but it just didn't work and it's time to move on. I'm, I've gone back and forth on this a lot. Um, it feels like with the new system, they're going to want to stop the run a lot and they're going to need rotational guys like Austin Johnson, which are going to be key in the system. And I, I know he's not flashy and it was definitely a down year for him, but they're going to need a lot of interior guys to pitch in to stop the run. And I don't know that they have a lot Um, to me, just looking at like a contract, it felt like a, like a Kyle Pecco type signing where it's like, both guys don't put up a ton of numbers. They're not going to stuff the stat sheet, but they're going to, you know, hopefully free up the guys around him. And he saw Pecco signed a one year, $1 million deal. And he's done that in back-to-back seasons with the Raiders and Titans. So if you're talking about a one year, $1 million deal, maybe add some like small incentives, maybe some playtime bonuses if you want. I think it provides some veteran rotational depth where you've got guys like Tito and Matlock, even Gerard Clark, if you want to as well, uh, in that kind of rotation, I wouldn't mind that. But if he walked, I mean, maybe his best days are behind him because it looks like it. But I, I could see a, a veteran signing like that. That could make sense to me. That's that's the kind of signing that they, they used to always make with like mm-hmm. a Jacques Césaire or somebody like that. Damien Square. Damien Square, that's the other name I was thinking of. Yeah, where... Mm-hmm. You let him walk and you ride it out and see what happens in free agency. And then in the third or fourth wave of free agency, if he's still hanging around, you go out and see if he wants to sign for one year for almost nothing. Yeah. Um, but definitely not a priority and not somebody I'm rushing to bring back. No, no, not at all. All right. Uh, next up, running back Joshua Kelly. Jamie? Nope. Um, I Just not a fan. I don't think there's any reason to bring him back. I think that running back room really, really, really needs to. What? Not a fan. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> like trash is the guy. <laughs> hey, trash him. <laughs> I could have been worse. General, general. Oh, that was mild. That was Man, mild. This, this is Jamie's heel turn episode. I like this. <laughs> um, Not a fan. He's like thumbs <laughs> down on Joshua. <laughs> I just, I, they need to rebuild that running back room uh, really badly. And I just don't see how he fits. I don't think he's got the vision or the burst or the wiggle to be successful in Roman's scheme. I just don't see what he offers at this point. Um, another one, it didn't work. It's time to move on. It, I think it's the juxtaposition of like Joshua Kelly being like a very soft-spoken, like generally like always a nice guy to not a fan on him uh, just make, made me laugh. But yeah, 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 I'm, I know, of course, that wasn't a personal <laughs> dig, but uh, it was just funny. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. Uh, not that I'm not a fan, that I'm not re-signing him. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm letting Isaiah Spiller be my RB2. I'm drafting an RB1, maybe picking up another running back in free agency if you can. First cheap enough. Maybe even take a late round flyer on running back for my RB3. Kelly is... Probably going to get, you know, maybe $2 million in free agency or so. I'm not spending that on him. They've Chargers are somewhat cash-strapped, and they got to make some wise investments. This would not be one of them. I'm letting Kelly go. Um, I'm moving on. Craig? 
keep this one short and sweet uh in the spirit of x-men 97 that we'll be releasing here shortly let's cyclops, go cyclops can kick rocks um i'm not gonna be as nice because the oh. dude has i mean nice guy really nice guy are you saying he has the vision of cyclops is that what you're saying <laughs> it's really unfortunate because the dude he's got the wiggle of professor x <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'd say the the wiggle of <laughs> ah! oh, juggernaut and the the burst of <laughs> of the thing uh, or something. Garrett uh, just broke the pot. Oh, God, yeah, that's yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> oh man. So he doesn't have legs. <laughs> mean. That's way worse than anything I said. That's um, better than what Jamie said. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I guess we're picking up the slack. Jamie's Jamie's a good cop tonight. But no, nah, man, it's unfortunate because you know, great guy. Um, you know, some of he's made a couple big splash plays here or there, but the consistency just isn't there. And as a running back, he's lacking one of the major things you need to be able to succeed at the position, vision. And when I say he lacks it, man, dude's barely got any of it. So uh you know, again, off to your next adventure, man. Uh safe travels. Best of luck to you. Uh, 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 the uncanny abilities of Joshua Kelly, uh, not on the Chargers roster. Let's go to Alohi Gilman. Uh, very polarizing on Twitter the last week or so. Jamie, are are you keeping the fan, the quote unquote fan favorite, Alohi Gilman? When did he become a fan favorite? Um, um, this off season, apparently, in the last this week. year, this past year. <laughs> um. I think Gilman's kind of going to be a good test case to see how much um, the remaining members of the Chargers front office have learned from previous mistakes. Um, Gilman had a good year. He's scrappy. Um, he made some plays. He forced some turnovers. He had a fantastic year in the last year of his deal, a year that he also never really matched in previous seasons. And I'm just not sure – the previous regime would have given him a long-term deal. Bought in, they would have given him that like $30 million deal they gave to die after one good year. Um, I think the problem with Gilman is a lot of the plays that he made last year are not plays that he is likely to repeat next year. Uh, sneaking into piles and ripping the ball free. Um, a lot of really good hustle plays, but not a lot of plays that are measurable. Not measurable, that's not the right word. They're, it's just not like transferable, not not something that you can realistically expect to repeat itself. It's like drafting JT Woods because he had six interceptions fall into his lap without really understanding where those interceptions came from. It's the same kind of thing with Gilman. He had a really good year. I would not give him a multi-year deal. I was kind of looking at it as he needs to prove himself one more time before they pay, before he gets paid a big deal. And they do have needs in the in the room. You know, if they wanted to offer him like a one-year, $3 million deal to see if he could come in and do it again, I'd be okay with that. The problem is he's really redundant with Derwin. Um, everything he does well, Derwin does better. Um, and he's not particularly good deep. I think they need to get better deep um, so that they can have Derwin play in the box more. So I would not bring him back. I would not be opposed to giving him a one-year deal for like $3 million to see if he could prove it. I have a feeling he's going to get a three or four year deal, probably from the Raiders. Um, 
mm. for way more money than he's worth, and he's going to be looking for a job in two years. There's a lot of Bears fans who are looking him for him to replace uh, Eddie Jackson. I've at it. I hope he may. I hope he gets a five year deal for like sixty million dollars, and they get a huge contract for him because. <laughs> Um, I, yeah. I don't want to throw that money at him. Ooh, and that's a big not, brain move. I like that, Jamie. You can tell who only watches. Hey, maybe that's why we need no. to build him up on Twitter. Maybe that's what we got to do. Oh, uh, we haven't Go been ahead, doing Then I was gonna say, um, yeah, you can tell who's been watching just highlights as opposed mm-hmm. to <laughs> paying attention to a player throughout their career. Um, it's really, it's a sensitive situation because of where they are in the secondary and you're looking at experience going out of the door and then realizing they don't have a ton of it and they get really young, really fast. But I agree. He is redundant in the way that he is a much lesser athletic Derwin James, but the fact that he's had the ability, and this is where the charges have historically fallen in the trap. You get a guy who overperforms in a um, contract year, has the best year of his career, and they look to pay him because they feel like they finally figured it out with him, and that's the player moving forward. He's their guy. Um, I'm not giving Holoi a multi-year contract, similarly to Jamie. Give him a single year, let him come back, prove it again, and then at that point, um, if he blows it up, maybe talk about a, a bigger deal moving down the line, but you have to show me again. Um, being in the right place at the right time was something he did a lot of this year. Um, he was uh, very opportunistic in creating turnovers, so we appreciate that. But it's not something that's been his calling card throughout his career. He hasn't done it consistently up until this point. So I don't want to call last year an anomaly. I would definitely want to see it again before, you know, giving him a larger deal, but somebody out there absolutely will. And it would be such a Tom Telesco move to get him on the Raiders. Uh, yeah. and it's another one of those interdivisional things where um, where you can just feel there's at least one or two of these guys that are going to end up over there. And he's probably option 1A if I had to bet, um, bet any money on it. So I could definitely see him getting a longer term deal. But if we're talking about a return to the Chargers under this next regime, uh, Come back and prove it again, buddy. If not, go find your money elsewhere. Please yeah. go get paid somewhere else. A lot I know. Of money. A lot of money. So the Chargers get a comp pick for it. And that's what that's what Horowitz Mr. Hortiz. Hortiz. Yes. That's the um, second time you call him Horowitz. Trump, I know. I know. I said it earlier. I know. And somebody right, said man. it in the chat and did, pointed did it you out. drink before we I did on? a lot. Okay. Yes. I was yeah, wondering. Yeah, 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 yeah. Makes sense now. I drank a lot. <laughs> no. Um, I don't I don't know what's going on. Jamie got out of his system, but now I'm I'm I am just keeping it going apparently. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I was going to make the same points. I mean, it really is. I, I do think that his price range is in the three million dollar range. That's kind of where I had him pegged to. Um, but he's just not a good fit for the Chargers. Um, everything Derwin does or everything Gilman does, Derwin does a hell of a lot better. Um, Der- Gilman's way better near the line of scrimmage. He is not good enough as a free safety. Um, you know, I know he had a career year, much like Kenneth Murray, but when you really look at it from a game-to-game basis, he just was not good enough on this defense. Um, a lot of big plays were because of him. I know he got some turnovers, and that's what people focus on, but I, Alohi Gilman might try to convince you on Twitter that he's good. I'm here to tell you he is not, and I am definitely passing on Gilman. I do not want him on the roster. I think there are guys... Now I don't I don't know about JT Woods because who knows what the hell he is at this point if he's even a football player at this point. But you've got Raheem Lane who we talked about a little bit earlier. You've got AJ Finley who uh, we liked during camp last year. There's some uh, veteran safeties here on this list too that are coming up. 
I'm I'm more inclined to start to develop my younger guys than to give Alohi Gilman a contract. So I'm I'm letting him walk. And there's actually another name. I'm sure, we're going to get to it in a bit. Um, that I feel like, other than Raheem Land, could actually be a really good replacement for Aloe and at a much lower cost. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. All right, let's uh, let's move on to East and Stick. And I think we can kind of get uh, we can kind of burn through these pretty fast here, going on uh, from here on out. But um, we, I, I'm glad we finally got to see what Easton Stick could do against uh, starting NFL defenses. Um, it's not just during the preseason, uh, and boy, it was as bad, if not worse, as advertised. Because during the preseason, there were little glints and hopes and flashes of. Hey, maybe he could, uh, I don't know, be fun to watch, but um, I am thanking Stick for being the captain of the tank. I'm grateful for that fifth overall pick, but he is not good enough to be an NFL backup quarterback. I am not re-signing Easton Stick, nor should he sign with another NFL team. Yeah, no argument. I I, okay. I would not sign him. I I think we saw we saw what we saw, and it's time to move on. Um, but this is another one of those situations where it's an easy fix at back of quarterback and they have so many holes to fill. Could you see them doing it? I could, <laughs> but there's nobody in that room besides John Spanos who has any ties to him at this point, which is giving me hope. What about day? Shane day. <laughs> eh, I was thinking more front office. Uh, okay. Craig. Oh, man, it, it's time for him to go. But also when you're looking at the landscape out there, I mean, how much money are you going to spend on a backup quarterback? I mean, how much money are you going to have to do it? We have to see what sort, sort of moves they make here in the offseason. But also, I mean, I mean, are you going to draft another one? Tried that last year. Didn't work out all that well. I mean, I'm not saying that you can't do it again, but it's probably going to be another late round flyer. It might be worth it just to see what a you know sixth, seventh round QB can come in can, and do. I, I would imagine it can't be much worse than Easton Stick. So I think you can get rid of him. Uh, but again, it just kind of feels like one of those easy to make moves. And yeah, Jamie mentioned it. There aren't very many ties to him. It could be one of those scenarios where maybe Herbert wants him back. And so he's got the vote of the starting QB to get him back on the roster potentially. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, it's time to try another project altogether. Um, Easton came in and yeah, he was the captain of the tank, man. We appreciate you for your contribution. Uh, it will be greatly appreciated here moving forward. Your work and suckage was not in vain. <laughs> and you say, how bad could a late round quarterback be? Could it be worse than hey, Stick? We just rude. had Max Duggan here. Listen, I was I purposely leaving him out. <laughs> <laughs> See, you had to bring him back into the equation. But you said a late round quarterback, and I go, D we just did. No, 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 an actual quarterback. Oh, That's not okay. what I would consider gotcha, the gentleman gotcha. whose okay, name so I he's won't not. <laughs> he's not an actual quarterback. No. Okay, all right. Uh, next up, Jalen Guyton, Craig. <laughs> Dad by Jalen, huh? Um, nah, Jalen can roll, man. Uh, there was that report that he had with Herbert a couple years back gets the injury, comes back, and they tried to make him a possession receiver. I have no idea what the hell that was about. But, no, nah, man, uh, there's really no uh, redeeming qualities to Jalen at this point. Uh, it seems like he may have lost a step. Maybe it's due to injury. I mean, yeah, you, you have a lower uh, injury to your – having injury to your lower extremities is absolutely going to affect your speed. 
But um, it's a one-trick pony situation, and I think they just need to get more well-rounded um, in the wide receiver room. And again, I mean, at this point, what are you really getting from him? Um, I guess he could be a body, but I don't know. I don't see there being much more rope left uh, for his career as a Charger. I don't think there needs to be. It's one of those situations where if he was just a part of the roster, maybe on his last year or something, I can understand you keeping him around because of the history that he's had with Herbert. But I don't think you need to go out of your way to try to resign him. It's a situation where you've gotten the best out of him. Um, you didn't expect to get a ton out of him. And uh, it's just time for a new opportunity for him and the Chargers. Yeah, I, there's no room for him. I mean, they've got four wide receivers in the room right now. Um, they need to come out of the draft with at least one, if not two. Um, and they're already not likely to get too much out of Darius Davis as a wide receiver. So I just feel like there's just no point in bringing him back. Even if Herbert likes him, he just doesn't offer much. The one thing he did well, he doesn't do anymore. So there's really no point in bringing him back. Yeah, that Jalen Guyton redemption tour was uh, very short-lived. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hopefully it has ended with the Chargers. I am not bringing him back. If you want a body, you got a exclusive rights-free agent in Keelan Doss, who gets the vet minimum. And here's your wide receiver body for you. Jalen Guyton, no thanks. I'm passed on him. All right, next up, interior defensive lineman Nick Williams. Jamie? Uh, this is somebody I would actually bring back. Um, I know he's like 33, 34 years old, but he's productive. He was very good last year playing in spurts. Um, he's kind of a leader for a very young room of defensive tackles. You figure Austin Johnson's likely to move on. Um, you, know, you figure Morgan Fox is going to get cut. There just isn't a lot of veteran presence in that room. So I think there's value to bringing him back. And I think Mentor and Harbaugh could find something productive for him to do in limited snaps and he wouldn't cost much. So I think it makes sense to bring him back just as a body. And he probably doesn't cost much in terms of guarantees, if anything. So if he winds up not making the roster, it's no harm, no foul. I, I, there's no downside. There's no upside, but there's also no downside. <laughs> um, you're just talking about having a body and potentially having mm -hmm. a leader. Um, and I think there's some value to that. Craig? Yep, there's your old rugged vet. <clears throat> I mean, I didn't realize he was as old as he was until I looked at that today, but he was rather productive last season. And you're looking at an opportunity to have him come in there and be in the mix amongst some younger guys and some cats that you bring in here or in the draft and allow him to be a leader in the locker room. And I think he's still got some gas left in the tank, so it's fine. It won't cost you very much, I don't believe. So, yeah, absolutely. Why not? You need that leadership up front and you need someone who can be able to step in there and plug the run up. You know, Everybody that you can get that has the ability to do that, you probably want, um, especially on this team due to its history. So I'm absolutely bringing him back. And um, as long as it's on the cheap, I have absolutely no problem with it. All right. So we just went about it in different ways. So I took Austin Johnson as the vet and you took Nick Williams. I just I, I took Austin Johnson in the hopes of there's more upside there and he's younger than a Nick Williams who's going to be 34 coming up here. But either way, it was a one-year deal for Austin Johnson, a one-year deal with Nick Williams. It's give or take here. It's fine either way. I was, I'm was i just hoping that they can squeeze some potential out of Austin Johnson, Minter, and uh, Harbuck. Yeah, that's my hope. But all right, so I kept uh, Austin Johnson. You guys keep Nick Williams. Uh, Dean Marlowe, Craig? So 
Dean showed himself to be a rather competent safety um, this past year when he was brought in. Uh, unfortunately, he did lose his role as the season went on. <clears throat> but for Spurt, he did show that he was able to play the deep portion of the field without, you know, having the team getting the top blown off of it. He was one of the contributing factors to being able to slow down those bigger plays. Uh, but it seemed like his play tapered off a little bit as the season went on. He's also a little bit older player. I think what Marlowe's 31, 32 at this point. So when you're looking at some of the younger guys that the Chargers have available to them and the fact that some of the fact that he played as much as he did had to do with some injuries, I mean, you're looking at some guys coming back that are going to be cheaper and um, hopefully they uh, you know, are available. But Marlowe did what he did for the short stint that he was there. Um, we appreciate it, but I think it's time to move on from him as well because there are some younger guys behind him that I think need to see some time. Jamie, you keep him, Marlowe? Um, he's another guy that I would look at down the line in the third or fourth wave of free agency. I would look at him more as maybe a potential practice squad stash as a veteran, kind of like what they did with uh, Richard Rogers a couple years ago, um, where you have him on the roster in case you're desperate um, and you just need somebody to come in and fill some snaps. I think he offers some special teams value. He offers some value at safety and limited snaps. Um, and I think there's value to that on the practice squad. I'm not sure I would – not sure I would use a roster spot on him at this point, so I probably let him float around for a while. Go back to him maybe after the draft and see what he's thinking, and maybe try to get him on the practice squad. But other than that, I mean, um, I liked him. I thought he played well in spots, um, but not a priority. Not something that I feel like an overwhelming need to keep. Yeah, me neither. It feels like uh, there's a lot of guys that could uh, you can give like a one year like $1 million deal to, and just be fine with it just to fill some spots. And Dean Marlowe feels like he could be one of those guys. He played, he's played corner in the NFL. He's played both safety spots. Um, he had some impressive reps, um, but wasn't, I guess was kind of up and down overall. He's going to be 32. I mean, an upgrade would be nice, but uh, it seems like, you know, there might be, they might need some veteran presence in that safety room maybe uh, to help some of these younger DBs. I wouldn't mind signing him to like a one-year, $1.1 million deal or something low that um, he signed before. I, I can basically take it or leave it, but I would I would rather take a, a Dean Marlowe and his versatility over Alohi Gilman and what uh, his contract would be. Next up, Will Clapp. Um, he has played way more snaps than any of us expected. Um, I think that's commendable at some point, but uh, this has got to be his last stop with the Chargers. Um, even, you know, feels like Lindsley's going to be retiring. It doesn't matter. Clap has to go. I mean, it's going to have to get upgraded this offseason, but, you know, I'm, I'm giving Zion Johnson and Jordan McFadden uh, some looks at center and camp, and please, God, no more. World Cup. Uh, I don't think we see Zion getting snaps at center. I just don't think they'll move him for a second offseason in a row, but I do think Clap needs to go. I think the only real value he offered – was a familiarity with the scheme when they brought him in the year before last. Uh, and now the scheme is changing and he didn't play that well in the scheme that he knew to begin with. <laughs> so I, I think this relationship has run its course and it's time to move on. You've got Hymas, you've got McFadden. Um, and I would be 
fairly confident they're going to come out of the first three rounds of the draft with the young center. So there's just really no reason to push this any further. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe if they don't get a center in the draft, you think about it after the draft. But even then, there's got to be a better option somewhere. Craig? Seen enough, man. Uh, and again, it's unfortunate because we have the same high school uh, we're from the same high school and I would love to be able to compliment the guy, but I'm not going to give him any of those props just because of that. Um, to quote <clears throat> a famous leader of men and horrible game manager, he is a backup for a reason. So uh, we need not see him get extended snaps ever again and hope to never have to because uh, the results were not ideal. And again, maybe he can latch on elsewhere, but uh, I think the time with the charges is up and with good reason. All right, Jamie, Will Greer. This is someone I could see them keeping as QB2, potentially. Um, Harbaugh is going to be familiar with him because he was in college when Harbaugh was at Michigan. Um, he's a guy who was reasonably well thought of coming out, still pretty young. Hasn't really done much. He's not going to command a whole lot of money. You could get him on a one-year deal to kind of, you know, be a placeholder, so to speak. So I could see them keeping him. I think they're, I think it makes some sense to have somebody who's been around, who's been in NFL systems, who Harbaugh has seen play and is familiar with. Uh, would not surprise me at all if they keep him. And I, it shouldn't cost much, maybe one year, one and a half to $2 million, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they keep him around initially. Um, the stick experiment should be over. If you want to give Greer a shot, get him in the camp, see what he can do. Uh, if you want to have him be a temporary placeholder, great. But uh, as far as a long-term uh, option as a backup quarterback, I don't see that happening. But initially, I think they'll probably keep him around. It makes too much sense. Yeah, if I had to choose between the two, I'd take Greer just because he's more of an unknown and I've seen too much of Stick and I'm sick of it. So um, they, so I'd take Greer in that instance, but uh, they both could go. I don't care. Uh, but if they do sign Greer, it's got to be short term, a year for, again, like a, a mil and a half maybe. Yeah. All right, next up, Alex Erickson. Craig? Oh, boy. This was weird. Because he became one of those like cult chargers wide receivers <laughs> that people like latch on to. And I mean, he showed some pretty solid production. He made some pretty big catches to keep the sticks moving. But another 30 plus year old wide receiver that I don't think plays well in the new offensive scheme. I'm not sure if there's a really good fit for him. I mean, he doesn't offer anything that is, I guess, sets him apart. That I mean, he's not a burner. Decent route runner. He's got good hands. But, I mean, you can kind of cycle through the Rolodex of Chargers wide receivers that you can really attribute that to. I mean, he's pretty diminutive in size. And, again, he's got the age thing that's not working in his favor. So, um, I think you move on, get another younger option, have him come in. And, uh, I mean, again, the skill set doesn't necessarily set him apart. I feel like he's a dime a dozen in the NFL. And you can probably find one of those guys or a couple of them in the draft. Yeah, I'm not – I'm not spending a second pursuing a 31-year-old wide receiver who couldn't stick on a team before last year. Um, nice story. He made some big catches. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know people kind of, you know, hung on to him or clammed on to him or however you want to put it at the end of the season. But 
31 years old, wide receiver. If there's no room for Jalen Guyton on the roster with some of the plays that he's made in the league, there's certainly no room for Alex Erickson. They need to get younger, faster, more explosive. Erickson does none of those things, and there's going to be no emotional ties to him with any of the coaching or front office. So I just I don't see why they would bring him back short of maybe a practice squad. But again, 31 years old, what, what are you really looking to develop a 31-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're just filling in depth and, uh, they can, they can get better there. Um, got some extended snaps. Didn't expect it. Filled in nicely though. Made some clutch catches when the Chargers needed it. Uh, but he's not a guy they should bring back. So no, letting Alex Erickson walk next up safety, Jalen Hawkins, Craig, I think you were alluding to him a little bit earlier, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, this makes sense to me to keep him around. Number one, he's younger. Um, he took over for Dean Marlowe, got about five games worth of play in. Uh, he only had like one pass breakup, but um, he can play slot. He can be a split safety up top. Um, he's also a pretty good tackler and contribute on, on special teams. So I think it's someone that you can, if you needed to, uh, if Alohi prices himself out, <clears throat> here's an easy replacement that costs you not very much. So I think it makes perfect sense to keep him around again, young talent, cheap. And those are your two key words, younger, cheaper. So uh, it just seems like he's a good fit for the roster, at least going into next year for sure. Yeah. You know, if you go into next year with Hawkins as safety three or safety four, you're in pretty good shape. I think he's still 26 or 27 years old. You're talking about maybe again, a million, million and a half. Um, Maybe if they really like him, they give him a two-year deal with a with a you know parachute or a ripcord after year one. Um, but some versatility, some special teams value. You're looking at a roster that's going to be without Gilman. It's going to be most likely without Dean Marlowe. It's going to be almost certainly without JT Woods. Um, we finally realized that Mark Webb doesn't actually exist. <laughs> so. Uh, they need some bodies back there. They need some depth behind Derwin, and I think, I think Hawkins is a, is a decent fit. Like I said, as safety three or safety four, and contributing on special teams. Yeah, just like Dean Marlowe, Hawkins came in partway through the year. I think uh, the Chargers end up signing one of either Dean Marlowe or Jalen Hawkins just to fill the room, and knowing that it's going to come cheap, I think they end up signing one of these two guys. Uh, Jalen Hawkins makes a ton of sense. I could see Dean Marlowe with his versatility. Um, but, yeah, either one's going to be short-term. Uh, they're both going to come cheap, and uh, I could see one of – Probably not both, but one of Dean Marlowe or Jalen Hawkins sticking for next year. Uh, next up is tight end Nick Vanette. Um, he's strictly a blocking tight end uh, in this stage of his career, uh, which is going to be key in this offense going forward. Uh, so it makes sense on paper. Uh, I mean, it just feels like of the eight games this season with Vanette, I'd, he didn't really pop for me. Um, I think I'd pass on a 31-year-old tight end with no receiving upside. I know they need bodies, not room, but... I think they could find another veteran here. I, I, I'm just letting Vanette walk. You guys keeping him? No, I don't really see a need to. Um, he kind of is what he is at this point. You're not going to get much more out of him. No, no real need to bring him back. Yeah. No, he can go. Um, even from what I saw of him, even being being a blocking tight end, he wasn't really up to snuff the way that I would imagine he would have been. So again, time to move on. Get younger. All right, uh, last four here. The edge rusher, Justin Hollins, Jamie? Uh, yeah, I think you probably keep him. He has some juice off the edge, uh, can probably 
contribute on special teams. No telling how Harbaugh is going to view um, Rump coming into this offseason. And you're probably looking at being without at least Khalil Mack, if not both Mack and Bosa. So uh, I, you need some bodies. And I think Holland showed that he can get to the quarterback or at least affect the quarterback. Last year, he's had a couple three-sack seasons in the past. Um, seems like a good edge three or edge four. Greg? Yep, another developmental guy. I think that you can keep him in the room and help him to come in and contribute. Um, if you want to do it on special teams, hopefully, well, hopefully you don't necessarily have to get him on the field, especially not too early. But <clears throat> there's some stuff that can be worked with there. He's got some tools. And, uh, again, I think this new regime is going to be all about development. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a little bit of something from him this year. So I'd be good with bringing him back. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay either way. Um, I kind of like some of the pet potential of some of these younger guys like Andrew Farmer and Ty Shelby um, as some uh, training camp competition. I could I could see throwing Justin Hollins in that group and just letting them battle it out in camp. I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, all right, so here here we go. Cornerback, uh, Sang Bassey. Jamie? Yeah, I said earlier I would keep him. I think I'm looking at him as a – corner three, corner four kind of a thing. He played some inside. He played some uh, outside last year. He can contribute on special teams. He's going to come cheap. You don't need to give him more than one year. I think you're looking at, you know, one year, million and a half-ish, million, 1.75 somewhere in there. Um, they need bodies. And he played reasonably well. I think he exceeded expectations, certainly last year when he was on the field. And I – I would rather bring him back and try to see what they can pull out of him than, than bring back Michael Davis. Yeah. Um, I would say bring him back as well. Aside from just needing the bodies, I think that he, I mean, the action he saw last year, I think he got in about like seven or so games, but really scrappy in a slot. I like that about him. I don't necessarily want him on the outside per se, because he's a smaller body. I don't think he farewell long-term there for an extended period of time. Should I say so um, more of a slot corner, Super high effort, good short area quickness. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, again, he's more than a warm body, so that's great. And if you can get anything out of him, that's a plus as well. You know, so, obviously, I'm bringing back Michael Davis in my scenario. So, I, w I, I don't think I'm bringing back Bassey. Um, I think I will give him credit. He did improve throughout the year. But at the beginning, when he was the starter, he was absolutely awful. He was by far the worst corner on the field, but eventually he worked into his role and he was okay. I think he found a home in the slot, but I I don't I don't know about giving him a CB3 role in my mind. I, I think he's more four at best, if not five. But just would like it be, a, would be a third stint with the charges also. Who? Bassey? Bassey. Um I know it's yes. the Broncos. Is it his third? Think it is. Think is this would be his third time around, twice in the Staley era. Uh, yeah, brought him in, cut him, and then he came back. Yeah. Mm. All right, last two Tanner Muse, Craig. Uh I'm keeping Muse. Uh, if for nothing else, special teams, hyper athletic guy. Um, probably one of those core special teams cats that um, can really contribute in that phase of the game. And those guys are invaluable when you're talking about how important the special teams are and how the Chargers have put an emphasis on it. 
<clears throat> I think he can be one of the stars in that role. Not sure if he develops into anything more than that, but some guys are just career special teamers. And I think that's uh, a role that he's carved out for himself. If he ever sees the field um, in any capacity and performs again, land. Yeah. But at, like as far as my expectations for him go, I think he's a core special teams guy. And you know, if you have a high performer in that phase of the game, I think you hold on to him. Did he play much last year? I feel like he came here and got hurt right away. I don't think I don't think he played a ton, but um, he was yeah. I think he was supposed to be like a big special team. Well, yeah, he was with Pittsburgh. He was with the Steelers. And I think that's yeah. I'm crossing it up. So yeah, he was a high performer with the with the Steelers, and they brought him over to be a special teams contributor with the Chargers. And I don't think he played a ton, but that's what I would want to keep him around for the special teams ability. And did you say Lanyap? I did. I'm from Louisiana, wow. dude. Damn man, God, I just caught it. Yeah, sorry. Nice, sorry. A little occasion. <laughs> I like it. A little a little occasion on the podcast. Jamie, um, I I can take it or leave it. Um, you want to bring him back cool if not i'm fine with that too uh, i don't have a real strong feeling about it either way yeah yeah i don't i don't care either way but um i do like andrew farmer and uh ty shelby again just throwing that out there in the edge group uh last one cameron tom who yeah i don't <laughs> yeah i there's no need to bring him back you got to get you got to get a look at Hymas and McFadden in camp. And like I said, you got to believe they're going to come out of the first three rounds with a potential starting center. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Cameron's looking for a job. Yeah, no, I'm not bringing him back at all. Um, is this the wrong – and who's the who's that one tackle that came out of college a couple of years ago? Something, Tom? Oh, um, oh Zach Tom? Zach Tom. Zach Tom. Zach Tom. They, yeah, they got, Zach Tom. They got, the, they got the wrong Tom. All right. Stanley, was that Stanley's guy? Yeah, yeah we'll that's Stanley's crush. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Hey, he won't let you forget it either. He still talks about Zach Tom. I think he's playing well, though. Yes, he, he is. He definitely is. All right, cool. Uh, we're good here we're covering all the internal free agents. Uh, not keeping a lot, as you can tell. So we're going to go over free agents next week. little schedule change uh, on Thursday. In two days, we're doing – Defensive free agents and offensive free agents, uh, which are external free agents from other teams. So we'll we'll talk about some of our favorites on the offensive side and the defensive side that could help the Chargers going into 2024. I am at Garrisisti, Jamie at Lightning underscore Round, Craig at Top underscore Flight F L Y T three, and we will see you next time. Thanks everybody. Salute.